You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks supporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. And bringing you today's podcast is Himalaya. You can get Locked on Bucks on the brand new podcasting app Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Bucks. And Frank, uh, you know, a, a weekend that... Didn't have a whole lot of action, obviously, at a, at a game on Thursday night and then had to wait all the way until Sunday. And then it was a, a strange Sunday after, I guess, Sunday morning, technically, in the central time zone because it started at 1130 here uh, in Milwaukee. So um, a, a very early game. And uh, I don't even I, I, I truly don't know how to describe that one. So uh, we can try to figure that out. But for now, how are you doing, buddy? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, this was a game we, we find out, um, we, we, you know, I don't think any of us expected Giannis to play. And then we hear kind of, you know, before the game that Giannis is indeed going to rest. He, he did his pregame stuff. So it's not like he's, you know, like really far from being able to play, but, um, you know, I'm sure if this was a playoff game, Giannis is playing, but it's not. So, so he didn't. And then we find very late before tip off that Chris Middleton supposedly due to uh, a groin injury, although I don't know if that's a real thing or not. Um, Chris Middleton and Bledsoe also resting. Uh, and we knew Tony Snell was not going to play. Um, so yeah, the like, who are the bucks? Can the bucks field of more than a five man team today? That, that question. I, I literally like, as the game was about to start, I was like, how, how many guys do the bucks actually have on the bench? Because Obviously, you know, you can go down the list of, of guys that are hurt, you know, Giannis, Chris, Bledsoe, the, the starter's not playing, and you obviously got Miritich, Brogdon, who uh, I guess the, the one bit of injury good news was Brogdon apparently is is off crutches entirely. Matt Velasquez reported that earlier. Um, but Malcolm Brogdon isn't, isn't, isn't walking through that door. And you also have, of course, Pau Gasol, who, you know, we haven't even really thought about in a while. Um, I, don't, I don't know when he sprained an ankle, but apparently that happened. Um and Dante DiVincenzo is out. And um, as you said, Snell has been out, although it sounded like he did some work on court, um, even though he was not even, he was just listed mm-hmm. as out today. So it sounds like he's not necessarily close to coming back. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if I actually captured everybody there. I, if, I'm pretty impressed if I actually could. Uh, Nikola Mirotic obviously also out. I'm, I'm impressed with myself if I could actually remember who all is hurt for the Bucks right now, because <laughs> it's like literally half the team. Um they fielded eight guys today. There are 16 people that with, with Trayvon Duvall being released, they're, you know, 15 roster guys and one, one two way with Bonzi Colson. So literally half the team was not available today. And uh, we got 53 minutes of Tim Frazier, literally playing every minute of an overtime game. Um, Brooke Lopez, the only 
actual starter played. He played 27 minutes. And uh, yeah, just a very weird game that saw the Bucks make everything in the first quarter and then seemingly saw the Hawks make everything in the second quarter. And at no point, I think the Bucks led by as many as 23 in the first quarter. At no point did I actually feel comfortable if the Bucks were going to win this game. Um, and so it was weird because I don't see why the Bucks would win a game holding out all these dudes because Atlanta's actually been winning of late and they're pretty plucky and, you know, they have some solid young talent, but um, still annoying to lose because they, I think what led by five at the end, like with a minute left in regulation, they led by five with a minute left in overtime. Sterling Brown, career night, 27 points, scores a huge bucket, 1.1 left to seemingly, you know, give the Bucks the edge. And then to lose on a deflected pass <laughs> that goes to Trey Young, who hits a weird, little you know 21 style shot um at the buzzer <laughs> i mean that's a really good that no that that's a game that's a 21 game yeah. winner. you're 100 um, right. i mean like look i realize this game is is not going to hold much cosmic significance in the grand scheme of the bucks season but um you know i mean if you steal this game um you know your your magic number goes down to one and you know i mean again like i'm not worried about the bucks losing the the one seed or home court throughout the playoffs but Man, it would have been nice to just steal this game, given the Hawks just gave you every every opportunity to do it at the end of regulation and overtime. But then they made plays, and uh, the Bucks, you know, it, was, it just felt like one of those games that whoever had the ball last was going to win, and um, ultimately that that indeed was the case. So after seeing Bonzi Colson record a first quarter double double, are you more or less impressed with Christian Woods twenty three and nine against the Hawks the other night? Well, I mean. Because, good God, the Hawks do not play any defense. How do they get back cut all the time, Frank? They get back cut all the time. Urson back cut them in overtime with a minute left. Like, how are they so bad defensively? Uh, they're young and stupid, I guess, would be the the easy answer. Oh, um, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, Bonzi Colson was 5 out of 18, so I'm, I'm not going to confuse him putting up, you know, 15 and 16 and 41 minutes as, like, a good offensive night because it, it definitely wasn't. Um, but his first uh, quarter was good though. Well, he had to play three more in overtime, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Colson's weird. I, I, I think a, no- a number of people noted, noted it. Um, Adam Paris, I saw was first on my timeline that, that I saw a comment. Um, it, it, it's hilarious how much he like just physically kind of resembles Jabari Parker running around. Um, Fortunately, he he has none of the explosiveness of Jabari Parker, uh, but uh, it, it's funny just down to like the body type and the socks and just the way he runs. It was kind of funny to see Bonzi Colson out there uh, giving uh, giving extended minutes. And um, you know, regardless of injuries, let's just say I was not expecting Bonzi Colson to at any point play forty one minutes uh, for the Bucks this season. But um, yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, I mean. It's it's a credit though to a lot of the Bucks, you know these these kind of bench guys though because you know I mean this was an inning eating game and a lot of guys ate innings and did it in ways that were pretty pretty respectable you know um, I, I don't yeah. think I don't think Colson is a guy I look at as you know more than a two way guy but um, you know Sterling I thought Sterling Brown hits five out of ten threes um, you know he's been playing well of late and so I think you know it's not like he's some random dude who hasn't done anything and then plays well I thought you know he's been playing well and then he steps up and um you know maybe not a super efficient scoring night 10 out of 22 for 27 points but um you know he had 
a bunch of like creating off the dribble and finishing plays um, in that, especially that fourth quarter and, and even in the end of overtime, which, you know, those are things that like last year, he was a terrible rim finisher, you know? And, and again, I don't, mm-hmm. that's not like a game. That's not like what he's asked to do uh, on this Bucks team. But I think certainly just, you know, in the abstract, thinking about like player development, um, you know, his, his main job is to hit corner threes. Uh, but the more he can show the ability to actually take something off the bounce and, you know, make some plays. We've seen him make some some good reads on on pick and rolls of late, which, you know, again, those are that's a valuable thing. If you can come off the bench and occasionally be that second side guy who can run a pick and roll and, and actually get you a, a good shot, whether it's for yourself or somebody else. That's good, right? I mean, you know, I mean, Sterling Brown is a guy that that may well have a, a bigger role in this team over the next year than uh, you know than maybe you have right now, depending on what happens with this summer. So I think certainly nice to see him kind of continuing, um, continuing his his you know kind of strong play of late and doing some things that you know again kind of a stretch role for him and uh, you know just looking at some of his numbers last year fifty three percent zero to three feet this year sixty four percent so that's been an area where he has. Um, has improved, uh, shooting 57% on dues after 44% last year. Um, obviously, the three-point shot is the most important thing for him, but it was nice to see him do that. And, you know, I mean, again, it's kind of those things, right? Like, as a fan, like, I would have loved to see them win so that that play by Sterling could be the game-winning shot, right? Like, you know, it's kind of little, they feel bad for some of these guys. Like, they put in such a, like, long shift, mm-hmm. um, a big effort, and, and they're not repaid with a win. And, again, whatever. Sterling will be fine. The Bucks players will be fine. Um, but certainly a lot of guys, you know, stepping up and uh, eating innings. You know, George Hill, I, if, if he, I think he started seven out of 11 for 18 points and missed his last four shots. So he really, I, and he's a guy that obviously we've talked a lot about how he actually will be important. You know, Sterling and, and George Hill obviously are important guys moving forward. And then there'll be guys that, that you know, the Bucks lean on in the playoffs. Like, you know, Tim Frazier, I mean, Credit to the guy, right? He was 0 for 9 with 0 points in 35 minutes for the Bucks before this game. He plays 53 minutes, 20 points, 15 assists, 7 rebounds. I don't even know how well he played, but he did some stuff and put up some numbers. So kudos to him. But, you know, you're not expecting Tim Frazier to actually play. So I don't know how, you know, Tim Frazier and Bonzi Colson, like not really necessarily relevant guys, obviously, you would hope. Um, but I think guys like Sterling, uh, George Hill, Connaughton, um, you know, DJ, obviously those are guys who, you know, getting some more minutes, getting some reps, maybe being able to get some, some comfort on the court. I mean, that's really the only thing I think that there's really of any like value per se out of a game like this is, you know, just getting some reps for guys that then maybe haven't had, um, you know, certainly a chance to play as extended minutes as, as they had to today. I mean, George Hill only 25 minutes, so they didn't really stretch him too much. He was probably, you know, you, you can tell, right? Like Tim Frazier played 53 minutes because Bud, knows that he shouldn't need Tim, Tim Frazier. So he's not worried about managing Tim Frazier's minutes. Um, whereas George Hill, obviously the yeah. last thing he wants to do is, is play George Hill 40 minutes and have him, you know, re re aggravate an injury um, because they were going all out trying to, to trying to beat the Hawks. So, um, you know, kind of one of those games that that's just weird in, in many, many respects. And, you know, I don't know if the Bucks are, lucky to be in it or unlucky to lose or whatever. You can look at this like a million different ways. Um, probably some guys for the Hawks played way better than they normally might like <clears throat> Alex Len. Um, but you know, so it goes, they, they kind of seemed like they pretty much built the defense today to slow down Trey young. Um, and they mostly did that, which is sort of the irony of, uh, of him hitting kind of two almost game winners, uh, in the, the last minute of the game. Um, 
but uh, yeah, just a, a weird game all around. They played 2-3 zone the whole game. 2-3 zone in an NBA game for 53 minutes, every possession. It was incredible. Um, it, it is just like to hear Mike Budenholzer in a post-game press conference be like, well, you know, we knew that, if you know, you, you can play the 2-3 and, you know, help guys conserve a lot of energy. And, you know, we knew we were going to play Tim every second of the game and, we thought we were going to play Bonzi every every minute of the game as well. He didn't end up playing all fifty three, but he played a whole bunch. Like that's a sentence that Mike Boonholzer said. Like this game is, I again like I I always kind of like we talked about this with, with like Christian Wood before, and you know I I think we end up talking about this a lot this time of year. Like there is. This this is like NBA like the NBA funny season like any anything that happens in the final month of the year like you probably don't right I shouldn't say you shouldn't take it serious but it should have a, a healthy level of skepticism involved it, with anyone breaking out showing lots of improvement like anything like that because stuff like this happens like the best team in the league decided that they were going to play two three zone for an entire game something that I don't know if they've played a possession of two, three. Nah, actually, I think they've maybe played a couple possessions of zone this year, but like that's not something they've ever done. And they did it for 53 games in Atlanta. And, uh, you know, like Tim Frazier plays 53 minutes. And, um, you know, so for me going in, like seeing that that's what the starting lineup was and then, you know, getting through the whole first quarter and all I had seen was two, three zone from them. It was just like, okay. Um, you know, I, I don't think I'm really going to learn anything in this game. Like, obviously, Sterling Brown, like getting to see him uh, do some stuff is good. Like, um, you know, I think getting to see Brooke, you know, just kind of continue being himself, and you know, he still makes sense as like a, a floor spacer, even if the guy he's spacing the floor for is Tim Frazier <laughs> instead of Giannis. Like, he's still going to give you that, but. I mean, anything from this game, and, and it's a it's a real shame because, you know, we do a daily podcast, and uh, I'm sure people are going to want to hear our thoughts on the game, but, I mean, like, those are the extent of my thoughts that, like, this uh, this was technically an NBA game. It counts as one of the Bucks 82, but, I mean, I don't even know what this was. Like, it, it was nothing I've ever seen before, and certainly nothing, you know, we've seen uh, from this team just because everything is so weird <laughs> and people are playing roles that they will never play, like Sterling Brown being the the team's uh, leading shot taker. Like, no, that's, that's probably never going to happen in a game that actually matters. Like, he might end up taking the most important shot, but it would probably be like on a – on a three that got kicked out by Giannis or Chris or uh, blood. So like it, it wouldn't be him going ISO pick and roll at the top of the floor <laughs> with, with Brooke Lopez. And again, like you said, like it would have been a great moment for him. Like if he's, if he's able to hit that and he gets a, a game winner under his belt and he's, he's able to, to have that. But uh, in the end, like there, there's not a, 
a whole lot that I think is overly indicative of, of what we're going to see of the Bucks going forward or kind of uh, of these players. But um, it, it is always interesting on these days. Like, And this isn't – I don't think this is the first time it's happened this year where uh, the Bucks sit out Giannis or, or – Really, it's just like the ones where Giannis is sitting out, and we've had this conversation before. Like, you know, you go into those games thinking, like, okay, like the Bucks could compete. Like, you know, maybe maybe they'll find a way. Um, and then you're you're all of a sudden in the first quarter, and you're like, oh wow, yeah, I think the Bucks could win this one. And then all of a sudden, the second quarter comes around, and you're back to being invested, <laughs> as though it, it's it's a game, uh, you know, a game without Giannis, and you know, like we. Like, like, all right, like, excuse me, like, it is like a game like it normally is with Giannis. Like, these are the games where, you know, the hottest takes about Chris Middleton and whether or not he can be a number two, like, come out and it's like, well, he's the number one today. So, uh, what is, what, why would this have an impact on how he's the number two? That the math there doesn't add up. But somehow by the end of it, you always kind of find yourself into it. And I guess that's the beauty of sport and, uh, I mean, kind of the beauty of basketball. But this was, like I said, after the first quarter, a game that, you know, I you kind of just saw and you're like, okay, this, this is not going to mean anything for really anyone. But yet at the end of the game, you're still, like, invested in, in hoping that the Bucks come out with it. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean... I was trying to think about this, like, you know, tactically, you've got a back-to-back. You, you just had two days rest, so it's not like coming into this game, anybody should be tired from, you know, the previous game, per se, like, if, if you're healthy, right? Um, and so it's sort of an interesting question of, like, if you know that you're going to rest Bledsoe and Middleton one game, like, part of, I was a little surprised they, they rested them because I thought, you know, there's a good chance Giannis doesn't play in either of these games. So I thought... You know, this is certainly a more winnable game than going into Brooklyn tomorrow. So I kind of like thought, well, I, I assume they'd play Middleton and Bledsoe today just because like this was the the one game that you feel like, you, you know, if you play both those guys and no Giannis, you feel like, OK, we have a much better chance of winning that game than you rest them today. There's still, I'd say, a very good chance you lose tomorrow in Brooklyn. Then you got you got no, you know, no wins from from two games. Um so I, I don't know. I mean, like you can you can argue both ways, right? You can say, well, if you're trying to win every game, or if you're trying to like go two zero in in these two games, you could argue, don't play those guys today because you at least maybe have a chance to beat the Hawks without you know with basically a skeleton crew. Um, the flip mm-hmm. side is like the Bucks really aren't trying to like go two zero. Like they at this point, like they just you know like if you win one of these, like you should be happy, right? Given it's two road games back to back, likely no Giannis. So. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, kind of just just a weird game. Obviously, I thought. By the way, did you see the the halftime interview with Charles Lee? Did you see that one that, that Katie George did? I did. I thought it was really strange because like he was like, "Oh, we let Trey Young get open a couple times," and I was like, like he specifically called out like the deep. Like it was like as though the only thing he was mad about defensively was Trey Young getting a couple shots. I was like. Trey Young was like the only guy you defended like that entire half, like the whole, the whole two, three zone, basically like the only guy that it really took away was young, really being able to get open shots. And so I thought, I mean, if you were trying to like really overthink this game, like, and, and I think there were, I think in the third quarter, there were possessions where they weren't in the zone, or at least they were seemingly matching up um, with the ball handler at the top of the game. Like they weren't, you know, just blatantly zoning. Um, But for the most part, yeah, I mean, it was, they didn't like throw like it wasn't like they were throwing a lot of curveballs. They're trying to set stuff up here. Um, but I thought, I, like, I thought if you were gonna like try to be at least a, a little bit tactical, like you'd basically do that against Young 
And then you kind of like, you know, Jalen Adams. Yeah, I think you can just try to play Jalen Adams straight, straight up. Like you're not worried about him hurting you off the dribble. But um, and I think as the game went on too, I mean, it, Young got. I mean, he's he's obviously a great passer, very smart. Like you know, the kind of like little short roll guy. Like anytime somebody got like a, a pass when um, like in the middle of the court, like there were just dudes open, you know, in the corners and wings, kind of all the time. So. I mean, I, th- I, I was, it was, there was something like not totally surprising when the Hawks were hitting all those threes. I mean, I think that they were probably still hitting, you know, at a much higher rate than they normally would um, before they really kind of went cold. I mean, I'm, I'm still surprised. What they had like 19 threes, I think, in the late stages of the third quarter. And I was kind of like, oh, these yep. guys are going to like, these guys could threaten the NBA record today. <laughs> like they're going to get a ton of open threes and they're actually hitting them. I thought that was a good chance to happen. So combined, um, both teams made four threes in the fourth quarter in overtime. Yeah. yeah and that, was, wow. before that they were like on pace for like the NBA record. And then after that, <laughs> or the combined NBA record for makes, they set it for attempts uh, on the day, but they, they were on pace for it with makes and then just neither team, was hidden threes in, in the fourth quarter in overtime. Yeah. I have the, the other weird thing about this game. Well, another weird thing about this game. Um, <laughs> they're all they're weird probably, things. So we're, we're just picking out the most um, weird things. Yeah. But Bonzi Colson, Tim Frazier, and Pat Connaughton all having five offensive rebounds. Bucks <laughs> had a 34% offensive rebound rate today. I'm guessing that's one of the higher marks they've had all season. Um, it seemed like, especially early on, like anytime they actually missed, it was just like a long rebound that that a buck was was first to get um Connaughton 17 points 12 rebounds um had a couple of dunks including a nice uh actually a dribble drive dunk normally we're used to seeing him just you know pretty much cut for for dunks Mm -hmm. um I was also shocked John Collins had some spectacular blocks in this game um I was I was shocked that he averages only 0.6 blocks per game because I mean we know he's really athletic obviously you see it in his in his dunking and finishing and stuff like that. But I was a little surprised that, I mean, you know, he's not, obviously there were questions about him defensively coming into the draft. Um, but obviously he's become a really, really good player. I mean, he's averaging basically 20 and 10 um, as a second year guy. Um, definitely hurt the Bucks. say 23, 12, four assists, three blocks. He had just a couple spectacular ones, including one or two on Connaughton. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there were definitely like moments, there are definitely stretches here where, you know, like Len looked like freaking prime shack at time. <laughs> and then, and then he also stepped out and hit some threes, including that, what was it? I think it was in, in uh, regulation, right? He hit that big to tie um, it. Yeah. One or three to tie it. So ju- yeah, just like a weird game. I mean, Justin Anderson scores 24 points on 16 shots, 12 rebounds. I mean, you know, again, this is kind of one of those games you can look at both rosters and just say, you know, this just goes to show, like if you're an NBA player and you play just like a crap ton of minutes, like, you know, you get a bunch of shots up, like, you know, people randomly have, have good games, but um, somebody's got to score like in, in an yeah. NBA game, they're all like too talented. Like someone's going to score some points. Yeah. Um, although weirdly that, and that's what makes the fact that, you know, young Trey young was not the guy today. I mean, five out of 19 and didn't take a free throw, but did have 16 assists. So I mean, obviously he was using his passing. Um, I mean, certainly if you told me that, that Trey young would score 12 points on 19 shots, I would be like, Oh wow. Bucks have a buck that that's a good sign. Um, and it was because let's be honest, Bucks probably, you know, don't don't come close to winning this game if if he shoots the ball well. So um, that was how many possessions of blood. So would you have needed to win this game? Like because like he was dressed and he was like the break in in case of emergency guy, like five, like five possessions of blood. So do you think you win the game? Um, 
I mean, obviously, Frazier ultimately was not, you know, statistically was not bad. Um, I guess the big difference is, like, you would have trusted Frazier, or sorry, Bledsoe to actually be able to, like, play some individual yeah. defense on Young and not have to, like, go to that zone that got just shredded for, for open three the entire <laughs> game. So, um, I mean, considering they lost by one point, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you, know, you probably only <laughs> probably only need a couple, a couple possessions. Um, although, you know, I mean, it's it's kind of interesting. I mean, like obviously the guys that that really you know were I mean really the only guy who was horrendous offensively, um, you know in terms of efficiency was Colson. I mean five out of eighteen, which is which is weird because obviously he had that really fast start, but one out of nine from three, five out of eighteen from the field. Um, he obviously just and again like I I don't know enough about Bonzi Colson's game to know. I mean I know he's obviously a good G League player, um, but you can tell. I mean he athletically. Um, it's hard for it's hard for him. Um, he's obviously yeah. getting by on guile and skill much more than uh, than than athleticism, and he's not you know a huge guy anyway. So there were some limitations there, and um, yeah. And th- let me let me ask you this: DJ uh, Wilson plays 34 minutes today, and I thought it was an interesting game because it it kind of reminded me both of like you know some of the good things that DJ does, but also like some of his limitations, especially offensively, that like you know, we've talked about since his first summer league um, because like he, it's so funny. It's like, he's got kind of like those open gym handles, you know, like if you see him like running pickup, like he could probably like be dribbling coast to coast and doing something. Oh my God, this guy's six eleven, and he can like really dribble and he can dribble very well. But like in game situations, like it never actually like results in creating anything going to the basket. It's, it's really interesting. And I think that's like, it's always been one of those things that like, I mean, previously it really annoyed me because I, he, we didn't see the defensive side of what he could do. Um, but like today mm-hmm. he hits two out of four threes, um, but just two out of seven on, on twos and, you know, 12.7 rebounds, five assists. I mean, whatever, like I'm not changing my opinion of DJ Wilson based on this game. Um, but it was a good reminder. Like he's, he's definitely like a complimentary player and putting him in, you know, kind of like a stretch, you know, like a, a, a lineup where, you know, you could potentially need him or he would have the freedom to create more or do more stuff than he normally would. It's just not there. Right. I mean, he, he really is just sort of like a role player, role player, role player. Um, and it's, it's kind of interesting. I mean, makes sense. Cause he was a role player in college. He was a role player pretty much in the yeah. G league. And obviously in, in the NBA at the NBA level, he's, you know, been at his best, you know, just doing the little things and not having to do too much offensively. And I thought today it was kind of a good, especially with Ron, you know, he was matched up with Collins a fair bit. Um, you know, he just, you know, even with Collins not being a great defender, um, he just can't create easy shots and he just ends up shooting a lot of like random weird little floaters and stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's why I was like kind of amazed that, you know, even at, at the end of this game that they were able to get a couple baskets in clutch situations, like, because you just look at, and again, uh, this isn't to, I don't think this limits Sterling Brown in any way, but like Sterling Brown isn't the guy you're really going to trust to go out there and like take guys one on one. Like he did it today and, and like he had some success doing it. But, you know, you'd watch some of those possessions as Brooke Lopez would come up and try to get the, the pick and roll started in the middle of the floor. And it was just like, oh, oh, that's not a good start. Oh, that. Oh, I don't think this is going to go well. And then like somehow like Sterling would be like strong enough and like he'd, he'd somehow get there. But as I was thinking about it, I was like, well, what else are you going to run? Like you're going to run a pick and roll for Tim Frazier who 
like no one really respects from the three point line. I was like, okay, well, like post up Brooke Lopez. Like, is that the option? Uh, DJ, uh, well, well, I, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen here, but yeah, I mean, I think today was a good reminder that, um, you know, the best of those guys, um, you know, like you're looking at DJ and Sterling uh, and Brooke, all guys that are very real contributors, but like, obviously, uh, they're, they're not one-on-one guys. They're, they're not guys that, that can go out there and, and get you a bucket. And, you know, that's, that's totally, that's totally fine. Right. Like the, if the Bucks are ever in a situation where for long stretches they need those guys to do it, they are going to be in trouble. Uh, but that shouldn't surprise anyone and, and that shouldn't you know make us judge them any differently. But yes, this was a good reminder that DJ Wilson is you know definitely one of those guys that is probably going to feed off of playing with other good players that you know when he is in a situation where somebody else breaks down the defense then all of a sudden his ability to pass on the short roll uh you know his ability to hit threes like all of those things become become more important then but if he has to initiate like it's no. it's just not gonna go well um uh anything else you got from this one not really um I was going to ask, uh, uh, what was I going to ask? I wanted to ask something just a uh, remainder of the season. We've got Brooklyn coming up tomorrow. Um, so I, th- I think, and I, and I can't remember if we talked about this before, before the pod or not. So your expectation, what do you think is the percentage likelihood that Giannis plays to on Monday night in Brooklyn? Do you think it's zero? Do you think there's some outside chance that Giannis talks his way into that game? Or do you think there's no chance that he plays? Uh, I'd put it at like 15%, 1-5, not 5-0. Uh, 15%. And and I put it there just because um, Giannis, I don't know, in in some ways he does have a a brand to represent. (laughs) But Brooklyn crowds for Giannis are like always very big. There's always a, a big like Greek following there. So I could see him, you know, maybe trying to fight a little bit more, but know like like i wrote in the article talking to Giannis about just playing fewer minutes in general this season uh you don't win with bud you you can't win like he's gonna he's gonna put it down his way and and that's gonna be that and i don't he he might try to sweet talk his way into it but yeah i think there's a very low chance that he actually ends up playing uh in brooklyn and you know I said it that night after the post game and Giannis didn't like my question very much. Um, but you know, this is a spot where if you, if he wants to keep his streak of not missing three straight games intact, um, something he's very proud of, even though three games is a very arbitrary number. Um, that's something he's proud of. If, if you were looking through the rest of the schedule and said, okay, well probably need to sit him two to get his ankle right now. Where can where can we find him the most rest? It, it was there. It, you can take him out on Sunday and Monday, and then he can rest from Friday after the Clippers game until Thursday against the Sixers. Like you, you have that whole that whole time period. So to me, that it, it just felt incredibly likely that that would be the way that the Bucks would progress. And um, we all know how uh, 
how much of a cyborg Giannis is and how much he would always want to play no matter the situation. Um, but that just, uh, to me, it, this back-to-back made no sense for, for him to play. And I know there's a bunch of people that are like, well, you know, win these two. And then, you know, you're, you're, you're not still playing for home court the rest of the way and you can sit him down for two weeks. And it's just like, well, Giannis isn't going to do that. Like, like we were talking about MVP and all of those things like Giannis is still going to want to play and he's going to still want to have some rhythm that for him, like I, I just don't think he would agree with the idea that, you know, okay, let's go win this back to back Sunday, Monday. And then I can sit out from Tuesday, April 2nd to uh, what would that be? Saturday, April 13th or whatever. Like he, I, he just wouldn't agree to that. Like that's not something that he would believe in. So to me, this felt like the most logical spot where you were going to find, you're going to find a, a, a larger portion of time to have him take off. And you're only going to have him miss, a, you know, a minimal number of games. Uh, so, I mean, good chance the Bucks lose Monday night. Uh, and then they would obviously be very much in danger of losing three straight for the first time uh, on Thursday against Philly. One wrinkle to the Philly game, Joel Embiid is confirmed to miss the next two games due to knee tendonitis that also uh, kept him out of uh, a few games after the All-Star break as well. It sounds like um, from what we have we heard earlier today that you know they'll kind of have to make a call whether or not he's, he plays on Thursday as well. So um, you know, there's a good chance that I, I, I think Joel Embiid is going to play in that game. I you know, and again, I know nothing about the severity of that that knee injury, but um, knowing Embiid, knowing Giannis, like, I mean, I, I'd be shocked if Giannis doesn't come back to play <laughs> against the Sixers. You know that he wants to play against them and um, give it to that big effing baby. Uh, Bill Ben Simmons on Thursday, and you know <laughs> Embiid wants to, you know, show out again against the Bucks since, since they're the first seed. So um, my guess is, yes, we will get kind of relatively, you know, Full strength, relatively speaking. Obviously, the Bucks are not going to be full strength with a bunch of the longer-term injuries. But um, my guess is Giannis uh, will be back for Thursday. Uh, my guess is Embiid also comes back for Thursday. Um, but uh, but an interesting kind of thing to watch because obviously, uh, if Giannis doesn't play Tuesday or sorry Monday, then um, you know we'll, we'll see how he how he goes. But um, I think he was listed as questionable for today, which in many ways is even like encouraging as a starting point. Like the fact that they actually even bothered to list him as questionable rather than just out um, was, uh, you know, and again, like a, mm-hmm. I always hesitate to like read too much into you know, any of these, um, any of these injury, uh, you know, listings or whatever. But, um, but yeah, so, so it will be an interesting week. And then ironically you get another Atlanta Brooklyn back to back. Was it next weekend? Um, what are the dates? What are the dates on the on those games? Um, it can't be Friday, Saturday because obviously you got uh, Saturday, game. Sunday. So it's Thursday in Philly, then back home on Saturday for Brooklyn, and then Sunday for Atlanta. Yeah. So um, we'll be obviously you would love to have the first seed home court throughout locked up at that point. Um, and again, you only need you know any combination of uh, of Bucks wins and. Um, I mean, we're, we're mainly thinking of, of Raptor losses, but, uh, interestingly, if you're looking at home court in the finals, a, a hypothetical finals matchup, um, I think the Bucks are closer there, but they don't actually have the tiebreaker over the Warriors. Um, I don't believe because of, uh, I had no idea what this was, but you know, the first tiebreaker in the finals is obviously just record. Uh, the second one is head to head. And then I believe the third one is 
record against the opposite conference. And the Bucks are 20 and 9 against the West, and the Warriors are 20 and 8. And I believe they have the like Cavs and some other bad team at home um, the rest of the way. So, in theory, the Bucks, um, I believe, don't have the you know even if even if uh, you know most focus obviously is on the the Raptors at this point. Um, they are four losses up on uh, on the Warriors. The odds of them losing home court to either team are are pretty minuscule, obviously. Um, but just a kind of random uh, random note on that: the Warriors fifty one and twenty four, Raptors fifty four and twenty three, Bucks fifty seven and twenty. So I don't know. I, I'd I'd much rather st- be able to stop talking about magic numbers sooner rather than later. I, I don't really enjoy having to pay attention to magic numbers. It's a it's a new thing that I even have to think about magic numbers for the best <laughs> the best record in the NBA. But I'm already over it. I'm already over it. Uh, so hopefully the Bucks can just pick up a couple wins this week and uh, and put all that to bed. Frank would like the Bucks to clinch and then to still then get very angry when the Bucks lose a meaningless game to the Oklahoma City Thunder in the final game of the season. So uh, take care of business, Bucks. Right. That 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 feels that feels like something I can I can just feel the frank anger coming uh, in a meaningless Oklahoma City. Thought. The only the only reason I would be annoyed like really annoyed with uh, in any way annoyed with losing that game would be if they are actually somehow close and lose it and then like miss sixty games because of it. That would be the only scenario. <laughs> if they if they feel uh, if they feel basically nobody and the Thunder are like going for a win, which to be honest is I mean that that's a thing right? Like you look at the West. Yeah. Um, the Thunder are the eight seed right now. Okay. Like yes. the Thunder are the eight they seed. They need wins. They are, you know, cl- they have clinched a playoff spot. So it's not like they're in danger of, you know, dropping out of the playoffs, but um, they are just a, two games back of the five seed. Uh, so it's a really weird and compact bottom half of the draw in the Western Conference right now. And so I'm sure there's going to be a lot of jockeying um, by those teams to try to you know, obviously get. Uh, or well, at a minimum, avoid avoid it, the Warriors. It might. It, I was gonna say it might be like last year, where uh, you know the Bucks were. I mean, th- I mean that's what got you last year, right? Like you were pissed off against the Sixers because the Bucks like just didn't care because they were trying to get the Celtics, and well, they made their bet on that one. Well, they actually um, play, they actually they played Celt- guys though. Like Giannis didn't rest in that. Like it's one thing if you rest guys; it's another if you play guys, right? I mean, they actually played guys, but, probably because they. But they didn't give a shit. Like that was clear. Yeah, but that's a totally different thing than just resting guys. Like, why why play those guys if you're if you're? I mean, I guess it's because they were having they had to fake like they were trying. Is that because they they didn't <laughs> yeah, they didn't probably. want it to be too transparent? Because the other thing too is they they could have yeah. easily gotten the eight seed too, which I don't think would have been a good thing. Um, but Washington like <laughs> shit the bed and lost their last game as well. So, um, but anyway, that that uh, team. I mean, let's be honest. Last year's team just, I mean, geez, I don't even want to think about last year's team. All right. (laughs) All right. That's going to be it for us for today. For Frank, man, I'm Eric Name, and a reminder that to get this show every day, subscribe to Lockdown Bucks on the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlists and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked on Bucks. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to this show on the new Himalaya podcast app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Bucks. For Frank, I'm Eric. This has been Locked on Bucks. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.